podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Oh, hello. So welcome to the final WGTA of 2021. And it's a rare first as after well, five years, it's just me doing a solo babble tonight. That's because unfortunately, Anthony and Nick, both have other things keeping them from podding time, you know, with their families and stuff, the losers. And I thought it wasn't worth getting a guest on for such a quick turnaround edition. I thought I'd just go it alone, basically. That may mean I'll have to rely on my script more heavily than usual, unfortunately. Pause for dramatic effect. Oh, damn. <laughs> Anyway, timestamp. I'm recording just after the end of the United Burnley game, the evening of Thursday, the 30th of December. I expect by the time you listen to this, every game on New Year's Day will be called off due to COVID. But I thought I'd just do a pod and you know, try to stop worrying about the threat of being outdated. I'm sure this will be very, very quickly outdated and learn to embrace the chaos. And now that I guess I'm on the loan recording this, it strikes me just how odd this little hobby of mine is. Like, I'm here pretty late at night getting mildly drunk and like literally talking to myself alone in my kitchen what has become of me seriously anyway we or i guess i um, and who got the assist uh, i'm tom you can find me on twitter at wta underscore fpl my usual co-host is anthony at fpl stag uh, i'm in the league is now closed i can watch that in a minute and if you're watching on youtube um sorry again for the low effort powerpoint but you know it's the holidays after all and you know it's, it's just a quick turnaround with just me so there you go solo babble o'clock i'll just be doing general updates today and answer a few questions on twitter with a massive caveat of course that who knows what it's going to look like uh, come saturday let's kick off the game reviews um how i've done over the last couple of weeks and anthony will be on next time to talk through how he's been doing so game week 19 for me so that was Boxing Day. I'm losing track of the day. You know, around this sort of time, people say, oh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you're kind of like, what does that mean? Give me a date. <laughs> so, Boxing Day, this was. Um, I started 159K. I took a minus eight, elected to take a minus eight of the Boxing Day fixtures after the few kind of games were called off. The Liverpool game um, against Leeds was the big one. I let's do that rather than do the free hit. I was kind of sizing up doing one or either, you know. And uh, I took mine and say I took out Salah, Dennis, because I thought, you know, they're off to Afghan soon, it'll be all right. And last minute I decided to do uh, Antonio uh, as well out. Uh, so I got Son, Ronaldo, and Broja in. Antonio versus Watkins, which one to sell was a total pain in the ass. So I bought Watkins the week before that, and he didn't show up because uh, the, their game was cancelled at the very, very last minute. I think that was the Watford game. And the Villa postponement, not of that game week, but for this game week just gone, was absolutely mad. 13 31, proper FPL tower shithousery. And I was 50 50 between selling Antonio and selling Watkins. And, you know, I thought Antonio was likely to be benched, which he was, but he came on and scored. And, you know, if I had known Watkins would lose the midweek, I would have sold him because he had Chelsea and I kept Antonio despite the fact he was going to be benched. Um, but yeah, not the best week all round that one. A 48 minus eight carried massively by the Saka brace against Norwich. Just was general all round mareness really. And a bad boxing day took me down to what 200k or so, something like that. So it wasn't particularly good that first game week back. Ronaldo, I think, was my captain then. Yeah, he wasn't. He blanked. Game week 20. So the game we just gone. I pulled the free hit and I got 61 points. Why did I free hit? Well, the in-laws were coming around, basically. I know that's a pretty shoddy excuse in the world of elite FPL managers. But for me, I kind of felt like it was worth doing. So I didn't have too much time 
on the Tuesday to be lining up intricate moves by one first and reacting to everything that was kind of happening where, you know, one click would mean that I was you know, four points down or whatever. So I sat there and thought it was best to get the free hit done just to get some solid players. Also didn't own Mo Salah, so I'd sold him the week before and Leicester just conceded six against City. Surely, I thought, Mo captaincy was a must. Ouch, is all I can say to that. I was carried massively this week by double-digit returns from my key differentials. So Edouard and uh, Bowen both got me 14 points, which was very lovely indeed. And Foden, who I kept from my real team, uh, he scored as well. The only goal in Man City, uh, won the win. There are a couple of swings and misses though, unfortunately. So the first one is that I shouldn't have looked at it probably, but you know, about kind of, it was one thirty deadline, wasn't it? So one twenty, I went to the bathroom for a bit of a phone break rather than going for a wee. And I saw a blue tick said that Greatar was probably going to be out of the game. So I shoved Butland in there at the last minute and he didn't show up. And so I lost a clean sheet there, unfortunately, for Palace. I guess I would have gone for Backman anyway. I think that was the initial, yeah, I had Backman and Gunn. So I'd have got zero for Gunn, for Backman anyway. So I think De Gea was also in one of the drafts and he conceded tonight. So zero points for my goalkeeper wasn't the worst thing in the world. But yeah, that, that Leicester game was absolutely mad, really. I mean, I obviously free-hitted in Salah. I also free-hitted Mane in. Well, because I thought, you know what, I've got to go for some sort of differential here. And that game was like literally walking on Lego for me. It really was. Salah missing that penalty. It's the first penalty he's missed in donkeys. And Mane missing that big chance. So... <sighs> God, it was so bad. It was just so dispiriting. Like, obviously, I got on the points from Edouard and got on the points from Bowen, but I, I couldn't believe the swing with that miss pen. I mean, I'm, I've got 61. I'd been on 75 plus. And I think with that, I'd have been soaring in the top 100K easy. I've set myself up really nicely and kind of vindicated taking the free hit. I mean, I, I've beaten my initial team by, I worked out a minute ago, I think it's 19 points. So it was just about worth it i didn't include ronaldo in the free hit and obviously tonight he's kind of hit me a little bit i think he was about 30 percent owned uh, at my ownership effective ownership that is because i favored mane in, and i was punished a bit for that but i can't really hindsight that decision at all because there's no chance i was going to go without triple liverpool ahead of that leicester game leicester just conceded six against city there was no way i wasn't going to go without one of jota or mane I'm not particularly upset about the kind of the way I did go. And obviously, Salah, I'm still ruining that penalty, you know. Like, it feels like my standard outcome on FPL these days is that things will go well for me, but often not well enough when they do go well. Like, I never kind of get that big bang that will take me up to, you know, the upper stratosphere. And I guess in some ways that means I'm perpetually chasing the dragon too. And it might well be the thing that keeps me hooked. Who knows? But yeah, you know, 19 points over the original team. I'm assuming I'm perhaps being generous to myself, but I'm assuming that I'd have captured Jota for that game. I think that's all right. Not great, but all right. You know, seven out of 10 for the chip. I'm glad we've got two free hit chips. I'm now 115k or so. So I've gone up on average 30k in the last two game weeks overall. Don't forget that I went down to 100k last week and back up to 115k. It was a bit of a pendulum swing, effectively. I was inside the top 100k last night, but Ronaldo's obviously taking it down to 115k. But still, that's pretty decent, you know. A 40% rise in rank, which is pretty nice. Um, ended my year and my highest OR since, um, well, of this year. 
I think because I think it finished last year at 159k. Yeah, so that's 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 nice. That's nice, nice place to be. Uh, Anthony also for this week, by the way, didn't go as well. I'm assuming he was telling me the truth and he said he was very busy tonight, but he only got 41 followed by 33 last week. So I don't blame him too much being a bit disillusioned and just wanting to leave this until next year. Uh, he's still below 500k, I think 600k or so. He bought in and captains Mo as well, uh, but his key differentials were like Sinchenko didn't play and Ikenacho didn't deliver. So yeah, quite a tough game week for Anthony yet again. Yes, again, the cursed of GTA is still here. I'll do my objectives very quickly. I think next week what we'll do is do some kind of you know, H1 review kind of thing, a sort of thing that's going to send shivers down the spine of some of our more professional listeners. Um, but, you know, I, my objectives, I did kind of stick with the captaincy algorithm, of course, and even painfully this week. Obviously, you missed the penalty. You can't legislate for that. Um, but I even free-hitted to try to ensure that I did have the prime captain this week. So happy with that. Um, transfers and 50-50 situation. I can never say that. 50-50 situation, take the hit. And transfers take a chance on form. Well, I mean, I, I took the hit for Sonaldo um, in game week 18. And I free-hitted this week, so I took that to the highest level uh, it can possibly be in terms of uh, taking the hit. Um, I guess I took the chance on form in some cases. I think bad form more than anything else, I suppose, in backing Edouard and uh, Butler <laughs> against uh, Norwich and also Salah, Salah and Mane versus a patched-up Leicester and obviously mixed results there. But uh, overall, I've been pretty good with my objectives this year. I don't think I've um, really missed out on anything in fact probably it's been to my detriment things like you know taking the hits by Kai Havertz which we'll go into a little bit next week I'm sure if we remember to do it Min League update just a quick one this week there's a new number one it is Troy Hope uh, after a 62 pointer this week he actually you know, there's two there's two people in first which are the share in the top spot Troy and Caleb's and Affa he got 68 points this week Captain Son they are both first, 1376 points. In third, staying in third, it's Tori Van Petersen, 50 points this week only for him. Oh, God. In fourth, down from first, Ryan Quinn, free hit this week, just a 33 the time I did update this. Maybe he's got an auto sub in or something like that to make it better. But that's not good, is it? Not good at all. In joint fourth, actually, with Ryan is, is uh, Mohamed Arafa with 49 points this week. In sixth, Stephen Jones, 67 points, all the way up from 24th after 67 pointer. In seventh, down from fourth, it's Anthony Harper, 54 points. Bwend it like Bex, minus eight this week. So Anthony went bigger there. And we've also got uh, rounding off the top 10, four people in joint eighth. So Sam McAfee up from 15th to eighth after 59 points of this week. James Carroll, you know, J Dot, he only got 49 this week. Captain Jotter, he did avoid not owning uh, Salah though. So he, he's not doing too badly. Also, Pontus Gunlike, 64 points this week up from 23rd. And Joachim Lengroff uh, up from 12th to eighth this week, 59 points minus four. So yeah, well done to everybody who ends the new year in the top 10 of the Middle League. And the market forces this week, well, obviously the game week has literally just finished. So we're going to see probably a few things change over time. But it's kind of unsurprising. Like so Jared Bowen, the likes of Son and Min, still being brought in by a lot of people. 150k transfers, I think it is for Bowen. 100k for Son, understandable. The likes of Gallagher, 176k sales for him. People finally losing, losing patience with the likes of Bernardo and Salah. Uh, almost 100k sales for Salah. Vardy's been sold by a lot of people as well because obviously he got injured. And Emmanuel Dennis is still 
attracting new owners. People don't know about AFCON, do they? Uh, 88,000 transfers for him. Antonio as well has been brought in by 75k. And just classic, hold your transfers in these times, lads and ladies sort of situation. In fifth, transfers in this week. James Madison, 73,000 people have transferred him in. Doesn't have a game this week because the Norwich and Leicester game has gone. So yeah, very reactive as you'd expect going into the new year. Right, listener questions then. Lots of questions about the upcoming double game week, you know, chip strategy, players to target, you know, standard stuff really. It's been Christmas time for all of us, bear in mind. But I guess for Ben Quellen, it's been like double Christmas, Christmas squared with all of these postponements. There's so many things that are possibly going on in his head right now. I mean, he, he must must be loving it, basically. It's worth a quick timestamp again that I'm recording on the evening of the 30th of December. And Ben said today that he's expecting announcements tomorrow, New Year's Eve, about six-ish. So we don't have all the information yet. So it looks like I'll be parking questions on specific, specific players, such as the one asked by Steve Wheeler, who asked which players to target for the time being. I mean, Ben says himself, don't confirm anything until we get the fixtures. Uh, I remember you know, either last year or the year before, it all blends to a mush after a while. But over the last couple of years, before a lot of fixtures, Ben thought, were going to go into one weekend that kind of getting swapped around so you know, we thought that there would, there would be kind of Arsenal would have one kind of set of fixtures and they were the obvious ones but it turned out they had a completely different set of fixtures and they were inserted in another way so keep an eye on it don't make any moves yet things like buying in Madison early I mean I can understand perhaps why you have um, but in the COVID context I'm just not sure I mean we all learned our lesson from like Watkins the other week it just doesn't seem worth kind of taking the risk at the moment obviously you know, I remember the other week as well. Dear me, that's reminded me that you know, there's so many people who are absolutely screwed over, weren't they, by FPL kind of crashing at 1320. Um, I mean, I was going to say do your transfers last minute. Maybe do your transfers 10 minutes before to try to avoid the last minute rush. Um, it's, it's awful, really, that. I mean, I I saw there were a few kind of hindsighters and kind of, I think people are just trying to stir the pot basically on Twitter saying, oh yeah, you know, it, it, you shouldn't leave your transfer to the last minute. And that just makes me laugh because it's the same people who would say, don't make transfers too early. Like it's, it's just, it's just the sort of thing that people write just to kind of, you know, make themselves feel good about what they did. I mean, I got away with it. I finished, I did make my transfer, I think on that day. Uh, probably about quarter past one because me me and my family about to go out so I had to do it before before we went but I felt with people who had done it at 25 past you know because it made complete sense like a few people going oh you shouldn't do it you should have anticipated that everything would fall off that's absolute crap in my opinion it's that's like kind of like saying oh you know what I had to pay uh, I think Seb, uh, Seb Wassel made a very similar kind of analogy it's like saying I've got to pay my credit card bill um, by the 8th of December, say. So I've logged on to pay it at 5 to 12 on the 7th and, oh, the bank servers were down, so I'm still being penalised for, for that reason. Absolute rubbish to say that, oh, you should have done transfers earlier. Pure hindsighting nonsense by those people. Anyway, I've, I've completely digressed. Um, but yeah, don't make early transfers, I think probably is um, something that, you know, we've all done it. I've, I've done it recently with, with likes of Watkins and him buying him in. He's not played a game for me. He has played a game for me now, but he hadn't played, didn't play a game for me. Um, I bought him, which is obviously a ridiculous waste of four points. So navigating that and navigating COVID means that it's very hard to give specific advice about players. 
And I guess most of this comes down the lens of hypotheticals. So if all goes ahead, lots of teams do double, and um, what would you do? Maybe I won't be able to say buy this player or buy into this team because their opposition likes to be X and Y. I'm not going to do that because you know I'm not really somebody who enjoys the logistics. I, I don't really care about, oh, this game can move here because they've got a free mid. I don't care. Just just tell me what the answers are. I, I, I love and respect the fact that you know Ben Quellen and James from Planet FPL both absolutely love that stuff. Like I, I more powers to them. I, I simply don't care. It's, it's I, I just it's not interesting to me. But hopefully next week we'll be able to give more detail on those specifics. Just, just kind of randomly too. I'm going to digress a few times, I guess. I'm like an old man in the pub, just um, with no one else to speak to and slow me down. I'm, I'm just off of one. But has anyone else actually you know, quite enjoyed the hand-to-mouth sort of week-to-week existence of this FPL scenario? Like, I find it really exciting. I mean, it kind of fits how I like to play with taking a you know, decentish risks, and I don't feel like I've got a core of conservative players as often who are constantly playing safe that I'm gambling against every week. Like the house doesn't feel as solid as it normally does at the moment. And it's been really invigorating to feel like I've you know, had the license to take risks. And today I went to Canary Wharf uh, to see my mum and I was listening to Planet FPL's great pod on the Y word and before I got there, uh, it finished. So I started daydreaming for a bit. And because it, I was driving and paying attention, I wasn't daydreaming in a dangerous fashion. But you know, as you do, you just kind of, your mind just drifts, as I'm sure yours all have from listening to me babble on. But I, I started daydreaming. I remember the time, it was around this time, I think in 2016 17, when I captained Harry Kane uh, away at Bournemouth. And he's got a hat trick and he's got an own goal the week before. I think he was like four or five percent own. It was the first season he was like a proper, you know, thing. The year before was the season where he kind of dethroned the Soldado. But no one in my mini league, which was my EO back then, owned him. And it was just a great feeling that I went from the doldrums all the way up to second. And it's been nice to return to playing that way. Maybe not so much, you know, EO captain kind of betting against that but just kind of making those little moves you know like the likes of you no know, Saka coming in lots of Martinelli coming in a couple of weeks ago and giving me that kind of proper boost and the likes of Edouard lots of Bowen on my free hit like, that's just been really good to have anyway um in terms of going back to the double game week stuff I'll take some questions from um FPL Oakwell FPL Showman and Calstub here so FPL Oakwell asked if the fixtures drop and I have 11 plus lads with double game week 22 is it worth the bench boost or with COVID kick around? Should I save it? Um, he says, you know, I wouldn't mind getting out of the way. I can concentrate from then onwards on starting 11 with maybe one sub. Calstub, he just says, you know, thoughts on bench boosting it, double game 22. Fair enough. And FPL Showman Z, he says, you know, hi, Tom. Uh, there's a lot of noise in the community about chip strategies. What do you reckon is the optimal way of approaching upcoming central double game weeks, factoring in the threat of random postponements? Bench boost, is it a definite save later? Would you hold the wild card as well with fixtures turning soon? So I feel like there's a, a spectrum of approaches in Fern here. I've seen a lot of people echoing what Oakwell says in terms of just getting the bench boost chip you know, out of the way. Whereas the caution expressed in Z's question is probably the opposite of that, you know. And it's worth noting too. I mean, obviously, we're going to get more information hopefully tomorrow well, today probably for you guys and, and girls and others. But I'm certainly minded to hold any chips and base my strategy around getting good 11 out for that week rather than using a bench boost. That's my kind of first thought on it. I mean, I've used my first free hit 
So I'm definitely coming at it through the lens of wanting to save mine. But if you have got two free hits, then I certainly be in the frame of mind of using that. And there's an element, of course, of team specificity here too. Some people will end up with a decent squad of doublers, whereas others will need to you know, make quite a few changes to kind of get it going. It's a bit like the COVID crapshoot, actually. You know, when some people found themselves with seven men and others still boast the full team and you were like oh, shaking your fist angrily at the people who just say, oh, I'm just rolling. I've got two subs, you know, lol. Anyway, I guess we've got two free transfers re- remaining until 22 and one. Yeah, if if 21 is announced, so it's crunch time, really. I guess thinking on it more as well, we've got that break as well after this game week, haven't we? So uh, by the end of Jan, hoping, touch wood, the COVID landscape may have shifted a bit and maybe the main wave of the past, so maybe things will be a bit more kind of solid by then and perhaps we might then be able to be a bit more kind of blasé around using the chips. So maybe what I'm saying about be careful... You know, COVID could call the game off or you could lose players. Hopefully that won't be as prevalent then. And you know, hopefully the infection rate would have gone down. I mean, basically, I'm getting myself mixed up, but I'm, I've got two answers. As it looks currently, I'd be minded to save my chip and just try to get an 11 out. But if things do clear up a bit, I'd maybe be looking to you know, utilize hits to get something approaching bench boost ability. I mean, with what Oko said, I completely get the idea of, getting rid of it early you know i think in the mind's eye of many a veteran manager i'm gonna get back on my barstool here and start regaling you all but you know, back in my day 2015-16 uh, that double game week at the end uh, probably a few knowing nods in the audience but for those who don't know uh, there was an amazing week where uh, the likes of alexis sanchez who was a big cheese back then and harry kane uh, scored four against leicester that day and uh, there were loads of other factors coming in but basically all of fpl bench boost i think that's the first year ben krellin kind of really came to the fore and we went up 170 180 points or so um and i think that's the big kind of uh, psychological marker in people's minds when they think about the late season bench boost but since then i don't think bench boosts have been that great i think you know you're looking at about 100 120 or so the ceilings haven't been as big as they have been in the past and I think as well because of how good Ben Crellin is and how well known he is, that the benefit of bench boosting at, at that time has diluted a bit because loads of other people are going to be following what he suggests that you do, and rightly so. I mean, I think as well what we've seen is there's a bit more rotation with the bigger teams around that sort of time, so it likes to be in Europe, and we're, we're less likely to be able to kind of say with any certainty, bar Liverpool or something like that, who's going to be playing for Man City, you know? And we don't really have like an Alexis Sanchez kind of character who's playing every game, and maybe Harry Kane will come back into it. Maybe that'll be Son this year, who knows? I mean, I'd love to get rid of it now. I just don't think I can. And I certainly wouldn't be wildcarding next week, that's for sure. I think people will kind of mention that with the current situation being as it is. I think your risk of a player only playing one game out of the two in the double, which is normally fairly low as well, is still heightened at the moment. And also, in fact, given the medical confidentiality around who has or hasn't got COVID, you might not even know until the day of the game that you're a man down. That's another thing to bear in mind. I mean, just the medical confidentiality quickly. I just don't get it. I genuinely don't. It's not like players have got, you know, gonorrhea or genital herpes or something, and it's embarrassing to say that they've got COVID. It's just, I, it doesn't, I don't understand, right? Because we report illnesses, we report you know, broken legs. Why is COVID saying a player's out with COVID treated differently? I guess there may be some embarrassment if a player is revealed to be an anti-vaxxer and that 
uh, kind of you know against their personal brand or something but I'm, i'm all for more the more and more i see it and the more and more ridiculous it seems that we should have some sort of NFL style, you know, full transparency, like Josh Moore is cheating uh, advocates just because, well, I mean, all teams be on level playing field then. And it's kind of clear who has and who hasn't got it. I guess kind of, I can kind of see why if you kind of, if you are you know, one of these people who's very into kind of a certain way of thinking, you know, thinking, oh, you know, it's against their kind of civil rights to say if they've been vaccinated or not. But I mean, look at the NBA, for example, all the players have to be. And I, I don't really understand why football is any different in this country, that's for sure. And look at the numbers, the vaccine rates we said last week in the likes of Germany and Italy compared to the UK. And it's just staggering, really. Anyway, right. Um, where was I? Double game week. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm being pessimistic, but maybe I'd be too concerned at the moment to to use my bench boost in 22. I prefer the free hit, remove players of a single, the likes of Cancelo, who you probably don't want to see the back of long-term, but you might want to for one week. I probably don't want the bench boost. Um, there's lots of games, you know, to to be returned as well, is something I'd also say. There are lots of games that are going to have to be put back into calendar. There'll be more postponements, I'm sure. There'll be other double game weeks. I just don't want to spaff my load on the first double game week I see as well. As my mate used to say to me at uni, you know, don't go home with the first person shows an interest. Go home with the best looking person shows an interest. <laughs> as if you believe I was that sort of person. Anyway, um, there's a really good question buried in here too from Thomas Jones about how much we target without who are doubling if it's worth taking hits. So Thomas asks, how much weight should be put on selecting players from teams with confirmed double game weeks. While there are greater opportunities to score points amongst Everton, Burnley, Villa and Norwich assets, do you think it's worth taking a hit to bring one or two of them in? I'm definitely adherent of taking decent hits to get players in who does who do have gimmies on paper, especially if you've, you've got a bigger team playing against them and you've kind of got a reasonable idea that this player is going to play. Like, you know, If anyone's playing Norwich in a double game, which, which is looking a bit sketchy now, given the fact that they've got the game called off uh, for New Year's Eve, uh, sorry, New Year's Day with uh, with Leicester, um, I wouldn't mind taking additional hit to get someone in to target that game. And even with a big with a big team who have got a decent couple of games, like I'd probably take additional hit just to get a player in. Like last year, I avoided John Stones. I didn't want to take additional hit. Ouch. I mean, I'm obviously not advocating big hits um, for no reason. I don't think anyone would be, but I'm fine with taking a hit for a player uh, who has a good fixture. And ideally, I'd like both a good game week and an okay medium term. Uh, one week punts rarely work in FPL, but sometimes, you know, you just fancy and you just kind of go for it. But that's why a free hit would be perfect. You know, this week with me, but with Edouard, I had no interest in owning that guy, but I did have a great interest in owning that guy this week. I guess also, I was thinking about something which come on to in just a minute, which is you know, Reese James. I think this links Thomas's question with this next question from the Derry Cracker, which altogether uh, he says, "What do you do with Reese James, uh, Derry Cracker? Is Reggion the best replacement? Despite the fact that he describes himself as a bit of a risk-averse manager, is that worth doing?" And just to touch on Thomas's question one last time about kind of taking hits and who's getting and how much we weight double game weeks. One man I've been considering is Laporte. I'm going a double up uh, with Man City uh, defence just because they're the best in the data. The one reason I, I probably I won't do it is because he's got doesn't have a double. I don't think. I think he's one of the only teams that don't have a double. Something I'm a bit less interested. And um, I also saw that Cancelo is the sixth most transferred player in in market forces. So the people are kind of doing. It. I think Cancelo is more of a butt cover. But you know what I mean. Um, and it, he could be like you know the obvious one if you just avoid 
falling into the trap of all oh, they've got a double i should probably go for it but i guess on the question of james replacements i mean i've got reese james so i've been thinking about this a little bit i think there are a few players i'll be bearing in mind and it really depends on how much money you've got and obviously what you want to do in terms of that slot andy robertson i guess we top of the list for many uh, if you want to just keep a lot of cash at the back, he's the fourth best for uh, non-pen XGI this season. But Reguilon is third, actually. The guy that DC mentioned in this question, I feel like he's characterized Reguilon by fits and starts. I could him for a while and I got rid of him after he had that moment where he said, oh yeah, keep me in your side, guys. I'll be fine. And then disappeared for a while. I thought he's just capable of either a big haul or being subbed at half time of no in between very much like a Luca Dean like a Reese James these guys are all much of a muchness aren't they but assessing you on his crocs so I guess Reggie is going to play for the short term uh, but I'd be unsure about longevity about it like Baker 343 on Twitter was saying he doesn't think Reggie will play as often as people think and I respect what a few Spurs fans would say about this but he does have the highest XGI over his last six matches of defenders 5.5 billion or below and he look he looks nailed in the short term so he could be just a really obvious move from Reese James I'm sure those people will go there I do have a few other suggestions though um so on the other side to Reguillon is Emerson Royale with cheese a five fifth for XGO over the last six games looked reasonably advanced in the last game uh, I think James Blanc FL initially said that he preferred him to Reguillon and Reguillon kind of we had a little bit of a bang and then but it looks like it's kind of evening itself out a little bit now but 4.9 million uh emerson royale could be an interesting kind of pickup actually showing up okay in the underlying data could be worth it if you're a bit strapped for cash and i think that he does look a little bit better now than he did initially he did look a bit unsure you could buy eric dyer too if you want spurs not sure I could stomach buying Eric Dyer. So um, I'm probably going to leave that. And if I do want the Spurs player for the Watford game and a potential double game week, I think it'd probably be Emerson Royale, even if Eric Dyer appears to be turning against Tottenham's answer to Virgil van Dijk, if the Athletic is to be believed. Another option, Matt Cash. So he's top for pen box touches and has had five attempts in the box since Stephen Gerrard took over. He's just below Royale for SGI and he's a real attacking threat if you watch Villa. So very, very nice positioning. Shades of Alonso at Chelsea. Matt Doherty. Wolves, you know, that sort of thing. The man's a prodigy. Very exciting potentially if he can convert his farts into poos, basically. Uh, another thing to bear in mind, he's on four yellow cards, so he needs to get through this next game. If you buy him in, he gets yellow card. Imagine... If he gets you the card and he misses one of the double that you brought him in for, if they get a double, that, that could be pretty painful. Final couple of picks. I was going to mention um, as a kind of a, a cheeky pump, Luke Thomas or Timmy Castagna at Leicester, but Norwich game is off. So um, that's not going to happen. But a final couple of picks. Lamptey and Cucurella at Brighton. Um, this is really fixtures based. Brighton do miss a game week in 24. I'm aware of that. But they are due to double. And they don't face any side in the top six until March. Bryson have the sixth best defensive numbers in the league too. And both have their positives. So Lamptey, he's constantly drawn about 70 mark, although he has kind of stayed on until 90, I think last two game weeks before this one. That's quite interesting because it means that he could be subbed off uh, with a cleaning, uh, which has happened not long ago. And his crate numbers are still decent. And 0.5 million more, Cucurella is slightly deeper, but the heat map isn't that bad. But what I really like about Cucurello when I looked into him was, well, apart from his astonishing mop of hair, seriously, go look it up, it's great, um, is his bonus point generation. A bit of a niche FPL point, one that's worth bearing in mind. He's the best Brighton defender for baseline BPS 
and actual BPS this season. And he's a top defender under 5.5 for baseline BPS over the last six games. Translation, if Bryson keep a clean sheet or if he gets an attacking return like he did this week, he's likely to get bonus points. Bryson, as I said, the sixth best defense numbers in the league, playing a, have a really nice fixture run here. He's a bit of a BAPS magnet, a bit like his uh, compatriot, uh, Dave Espelicueta at Chelsea. The fixtures and that make me think that he's pretty decent. And you, you could be looking at a player who's going to you know, going to knock out eight or nine points for you should they keep a clean sheet and should they express those defensive numbers. I think that's more than all right. I mean, obviously his attacking numbers aren't amazing. And if, if you are kind of all about them, I probably would go for Reguillon. For me, I think it's between Reguillon, Cucurella uh, and Royal. I did have a look at Cucurella versus Royal. Uh, Reguillon does win. They've got really similar XGI, uh, Cucurella and Royal, really similar in the analog stats. Um, but I did find that Cucurella had more shots and he's made double the number of key passes and final third passes than Royal has. So he could be well worth it. Um, I do like him and I don't own uh, Sanchez. So I think that um, I, could, I could do that. I could do that. I, I, he's the one that I'm looking at the most at the moment, oddly. Bit of a strange choice, but I, I quite like him. I think it's Everton uh, this game week, if that goes ahead, of course. Oh, Calvert-Lewin's back as well. Mm. Oh, we'll think about it. Uh, I've still got another day and there could be more postponements that will force my hand anyway. I did have questions next from Josh, FPL Telling and Johnny Forward on Leicester. But unfortunately, lads, that game's been postponed, so your questions have gone. The next question is on Salah replacements, uh, FPL wannabe. Obviously, if you own, given the state of Chelsea's defence now, you bloody keep them out and you enjoy those points. It'll be the ultimate irony if the Chelsea game was the one to be owning him for and Leicester was the one to allow. Although, to be honest, you've got zero versus the Foxes, so anything on that is an improvement. Anyway, uh, FPL wannabe uh, basically says, with Salah rubbish, and after Apcon soon, who's the replacement? KDB, Son, Brownhill. First thing to say is that it's two game weeks he misses. So you could stick him on your bench. I'm not saying you would, I would, but you could. <laughs> I think he'll reduce in price sufficiently that you should probably cash him in because if you sell him at 12.8 million, say, you'd probably be able to pick him up at the price you sold that soon, which isn't bad for the best asset in FPL, let's be fair. Uh, Son's the obvious replacement, but decent again last game. Got Watford up next. I mean, Spurs, there are some fluency issues in terms of going forward. But just in general, Spurs, uh, with Spurs and Son in particular, Son's an excellent price. Um, what Anthony refers to as a cut price premium. He's got the seventh best non-PNXGI this season. And I think that he'd probably just be a nice little kind of placeholder, really. Uh, I think he's got Watford, Arsenal, and I think it's Chelsea. I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about Arsenal and Chelsea at the moment. So there we go. Um Kane is spinning up again as well if he wants to kind of swap to the premium forwards and obviously Ronaldo tonight and made the most of it really. I mean, accidental assist and a tap in, and suddenly you know you've got points, but it's Ronaldo. There's definitely an aura about the man, isn't there? Kane as well is spinning up. He's in the top six for um, expected goal involvement uh, amongst all players and the top forward in that metric over the last six, so he's looking a bit more dangerous now. Uh, wannabe mentions KDB. I'm not as interested, really. He's just too expensive, really. The mere ceiling, lots of like players at a cheaper price who could do the job. I mean, if I was going to kind of make an analogous kind of pick to some, I'd probably say a rich flapjack FPL's man, Raheem Sterling. He's got the highest XGI over the last six game weeks, and he's managing the expected goal involvement every 69.6 minutes. 
So he's back on Pep's radar now as maybe part of the strongest level. He's crept his way back in there. He's only 10.6. So he could be one. And City can just smash it against any team, can't they? I mean, obviously the next three aren't amazing, but nonetheless, he could be one that you'd be that could be worth looking at, especially if you want differential and you've suddenly got loads of money to play with. It's Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, so next two. I wouldn't be too worried about either of those. And then you've got a nice run, run again, Southampton, Brentford, again, Norwich, Spurs and Everton. So could do worse than Sterling. Obviously, you probably want to just swap Salah back in. So I'm probably going to stick around with the likes of Ronaldo and with the idea that I'll just get rid of him eventually to get, to get Salah back in. As soon as he's back, I probably will get him back in. And we'll see what we'll see what happens in terms of, you know, um, re-arrival to the UK dates but we've got that big break after um, this game week and then I think it's a bit patchier around January and February when the game week's live and there's only three game weeks in February so I think hopefully that'll kind of sort itself out on to more esoteric questions now as I reach the end my good buddy Tom Campbell asked for the best at Arsenal 11 at the moment now I did think about this and I've got I, I, I think it's probably something like this what did I say Rambo and Go obviously Tommy Gabby White KT, probably uh, Thomas Party and Xhaka at the moment at uh, the base in midfield, ESR, Odegaard and Saka, and I put Marcelli up front. But that's more of a potential, you know, football manager playing a young player and kind of just developing him sort of thing. I think I'll get there eventually. I think you can see with Lacazette, he, he's doing the job of sossing into leadership void left by Aubameyang being an outcast at the moment. And he's doing a great job at the moment as a defensive forward. He's won as many tackles as Jordan Ayew over the last six weeks. Ten more than third place, but a massive eight less than Newcastle's new number six, Joe Linton. He's made 25 tackles and won 17 of them, Joe Linton. That's, probably, that's more than quite a lot of defenders. So, yeah, amazing. But with Lacazette in there, I can see why ESR has found it hard to slot in with Martinelli being an in, uh, kind of inside forward and being in form. Adam Pritchard, who I checked this logic with, points out that though he, he Martinelli, flourishes at a vertical attacking player and exploiting those half spaces, he can end up being an inverted forward or something. But it sounds like from the athletic, I'll test I'll see him playing centrally in in the end. I, I did think about Sambi Lukonga as well um, in terms of Xhaka and uh, Thomas Party, but we're not sure whether he dovetails as well in terms of his skill set uh, with Party. Uh, that's an Adam point there. But yeah, I like that team. Yeah, so Rambo, Gabby, Tommy, White, and Katie. I mean, that that back five can stay together for for years now, which is nice. You know, when I first started watching Arsenal, it was the classic back five. Could this be the renaissance of that? Probably not. <laughs> Let's be fair. Um, but that's a quite decent. Uh, I don't think Shaq is long for this team. Uh, they all love him. Um, so you know, there you go. Uh, Party's obviously a, a class player. ESR, Odegaard, Saka, and Martinelli. If those four stay together. Those fab four stay together. We could be up for it. I mean, Odegaard's really showing his class now as well. And at the very end, a couple of FPL fun time tweets, which I'm probably going to pull my punches on. Uh, but FPL Pricey, Sam asks who my f- dream for dinner guests, FPL only, would be. And FPL Rodney, who do I most relate to in terms of play style, in terms of community, podders, whatever, and socials? So, hmm, dinner party first off. Well, the copper answer is. I'm lucky enough to own a podcast or run a podcast, I should say, wherein I've had a virtual dinner, more of a drinking party with loads of people recording a pod. Um, And I guess in some ways I've already had the perfect 
dinner guests um i, I think there's all if there's always if there's one pod that i'm always going to remember it was the behavioral science pod with ross fpl raptor and simon march that we did last year for the summer special so definitely definitely going to try to repeat that or do something uh, you know iterate on that theme of this summer as well because i thought that was just excellent and everything was there too um, and i've also had the pleasure of sharing drinks with both of them alongside so many other people in the community as well so i've already kind of had that sort of past experience i guess i mean if i was going to choose all right I don't want any of the big names in the community around the table um, if I'm choosing a fresh. I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, right, I only re-listen to two FPL pods and only one of them religiously. Those are always cheating and Planet FPL. The latter, Planet FPL, and I, I don't miss an episode. I think, they, I think they're great. But there's lots of great stuff out there. I know there is. My time is limited. And it's also, of course, like some of it I just don't like. Some of it I just don't really have time for. Um, and <laughs> no individuals though right? I, I digressed again or might delete that but no i can't be asked in some differentials i'm in two minds there's, there's a few people i'll never i'll never meet who i there'll be people i've never met rather than i'll never meet screw you i'm never meeting you the people i've never met who i speak to all the time i don't know who they are if i do listen to this but i could definitely get four of them together I could also be naughty though, and it's just something like you know, prop Joe, Ping Green, and Leaf Methel family with me just kind of spectating to see what happens. I mean, <laughs> that could be funny. See you never jokes, and I'm sure they all go on really well in real life. They're all nice people. I think it's probably just one of those things where it's just kind of like you know, your your virtual self has become so important, and if you take yourself too seriously, especially online, it just it just makes you like a bit of a muppet, doesn't it? Anyway, um, I, I don't know really sorry i know that's a terrible answer but i've met most people i want to meet and uh, you know I, the rest i'd rather not names so i'm bound to forget someone um yeah loads of really good friends for fpl and a, a really good question on rod from rodney actually um on play style um that i've just kind of finished up with i mean i really like how late riser and mark southerns play fpl far more exciting to me to try to get fabulous green arrows through some daring moves then adopts a kind of boring but understandable, you know, Joe from a Scout or Matthew Jones sort of style of play, just plodding along. It gets results, and I understand that completely. I just don't find it fun at all. And I've tried to adapt to it a little bit. So this year, you know, being sensible with the captains, because at the, in the past, in the big plays, weren't getting results. Like, I definitely, in the past, played to the gallery, was guilty of some poor decision, trying to be too clever with captains, avoiding bandwagons. And I've also been really unlucky, I think. Like, I think the first year I did this, I think I had like 10 missed penalties, something ridiculous in one season. Like, it was absolutely mad. It was crazy. It's all somewhere on my Twitter. Missed chances, you know, sliding doors galore, basically. Like, it's going back to that Kane example a while ago. Like, having a bigger pool of people to understand and try to anticipate behavior from and seeing what I was doing and feeling kind of like nervous about doing something different kind of definitely impacted my play style and not for the better. And it's only kind of this season I seem to be doing all right like, i'm ashamed to say that being 99k for a split second this week was the highest rank i've been bloody ages so um yeah I'd, I'd love to play like um mark and um pranil do i think i've got a little while to go unfortunately i used to be good and now i'm just kind of rediscovering that mojo and trusting in my own decisions because i think you just get analysis paralysis there's too much information obviously i'm trying to kind of analyze everything and synthesize something objective for listeners to kind of make their own decisions that's the whole point of us you know the whole spiel about we're not gonna give you a fish we can give you a fishing rod and all this sort of thing uh, but i guess that kind of also means that sometimes i look at all of the kind of the options available to me and i struggle to kind of 
home in on what I want to do, which is why things like discovering, uh, or not discovering, but actually committing to using Mikhail's algorithm, uh, sort of stuff like that is just so important. It's just been a way to kind of just make sure that I can meld and bend all these sort of options possibilities which before it overwhelmed me frankly into something which is kind of a bit more usable i think if if you know if i didn't captain kai Havertz that one week and if salah had scored this week i mean obviously all the ifs and buts but i think that i'm pretty much that that kai Havertz captain is kind of what's put me outside the top 100k at this time of year i think i'd be well inside it if i didn't do it because i mean there have been of the 50 50s i've done which haven't worked out well for me but it's been all right i've done all right and i think hopefully i'm on an upward trajectory now come back to me in you know by may and i'll be sat here for 100k again just hating life but i'll probably still be here again next season i don't know whether endurance is a good or bad thing whether i should just give up but i'm not minded to i enjoy doing this sort of crap too much anyway transfers and bloody captains eh so my team's in the right shape i always kind of think oh it's fine I'd, I'd love to roll it but it quickly becomes pockmarked and decimated by postponements doesn't it i guess to matthew jones it and locate the key negatives i think i'm missing salah versus chelsea and a west ham player who's going to be bowen i think so i've got ramsdale cancello dallo trent Saka starting at the moment, Son captain, Foden and Jota in midfield, Broha, although that game is apparently under threat and probably would have gone by the time I listened to this, Watkins at Brentford and Ronaldo. And on the bench, I've got Martinelli, Cody, and I've still got Reese James at the moment. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably move James on for someone like Cucurella or Chicken Royale. I can't see Reese James, how, how he left the stadium, come back in time soon. And plus their fixtures are pretty dire, aren't they? Let's face it. His price is going to plunge. He's not been great for a while. Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, and then two blanks. I mean, there's not very much keeping James around. It's just a good chance to get rid of him. I know General said on the pod a few weeks ago, he's a season keeper, but I think even he would have changed his mind by now. So I think he's probably going to go Moving Cucurella and Chicken Royale, and then probably Martinelli to Bowen. I do like Martinelli a lot, but I don't want to drop Saka in this current form. I think he's just, for, for a long time to the eye, he's been our best player. And it's great to kind of see, I mean, it might be a flash in the pan. He may go back to kind of promising much and delivering little, but at the moment, it's great to see him express some of his underlying numbers. It really is. And he's one of my favourite players just in general. So the two of those things together is great. I'm not averse to benching him this week, of course, but I did bring in Bowen. I don't know what i do, actually, but might is probably going to be fine in the first bench as well. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it'll probably be those two. Um, and captain-wise, I'm torn between Son and Ronaldo. Uh, I'm bossed on Son at the moment, but after Ronaldo tonight, I guess I can hope United can breach the movable object that is Wolves' defence. See what Mikel says. I mean, if he does say it's captain Ronaldo, I probably will do it. I'll probably do it reluctantly. I probably will do it. I suspect that he'll probably just keep playing for those 90s. There's enough gap between now and I think it's the Monday uh, that United play again. Um, so, yeah, we will see. We'll see. Right. That's your lot. Thanks for bearing with me. I hope that was vaguely interesting. We'll be back next week with a full fat podcast, probably evaluating how teams are looking around the halfway point, as well as giving you that detail on specific, specific players to buy on double game week. Speak soon. In the meantime, hope this is June 2021. Happy New Year to all of you from myself, Anthony and Nick. Speak to you next year. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports
Social Podcast Network.